Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, sound like you like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Nicole Atkins is an old friend of mine, even though she's still young. Um, she's such a hard worker and she's such a natural talent. That kind of a combination is pretty undeniable. I've been in awe of her work ethic, her big engine. I probably referenced that during the course of the interview. I admire Nicole a lot, and I like Nicole a lot. And we've written songs together, and we've done tours and gigs together, and it's always been fun. She lights up every room she's in. But, you know, but she's still a complicated person, fraught with depth and emotion and weirdness and tortured moments, all the things that make artists, you know, embodiments of the cliche that we carry around for good reason. You know, artists are weird, sensitive people in general. And a hundred plus episodes into Wheels Off, I have not been shaken from the belief that mm, there's truth to that cliche. So Nicole Atkins joins me from her home in Nashville. I wake her up. I think you can hear her making coffee, maybe lighting a cigarette. <laughs> she's she's keeping it real on the mean streets of Nashville. And I'm so glad I got to talk to her. I've missed Nicole a lot over the last couple of years. And it's great to catch up with her. She put out a record during the pandemic called Italian Ice. It was a super fun, feel-good album. And then she just is releasing the reimagined version of that album that she did down in Memphis called Memphis Ice. And it's even more feel good, if that's possible. She describes for us during the course of the interview what what she has in mind to come next. And it's exciting, as usual, with Nicole. So please welcome to Wheels Off, the great Nicole Atkins. Welcome to Wheels Off, Nicole Atkins. I'm so glad to have you, my old friend, finally on my program. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to see your face. I know. Even though we're talking. <laughs> Did I just mess that up? No, there's no messing up. Oh, I see Elvis Costello hiding behind you. Mm. 
this year's model. Yeah, I've got Elvis Costello and Nick Cave and Scott Walker. Brilliant. And uh, Lee Hazelwood. Uh, for the for the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us? Um, my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Nice. How long have you been there? I've been here a long time. I feel like I've been here six years. Golly. Yeah, yeah same house and everything. That's crazy. I remember when you moved there. I I wondered if it would take, but it looks like it has. You know what? It's taken, but like when I moved there, I hated it. I hated it so much. I was like, what did we do? Why did we do this? But um, it's a cozy place. It seems like it. It's very cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, the house is cute, but I mean, as long as you can get out of here in the summers, Nashville's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's how I feel about the winters in the Hudson Valley. Exactly. Um, like, got to get out of there. So what, what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up? Oh, wow. So I just, um, I just finished the Memphis ice record release. And so now I, I mean, I'm, I'm lit up because I can start doing other things. Like, I, you know me, I'm a multitasker. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm writing a standards record. Nice. Or like I'm writing a record of songs that sound like standards, but they're new. <laughs> wow. That's so, great. That's perfect for you. It's so fun. You know, like I, I like singing long notes yeah. and I love like those old songs, but I also, um, you know, I feel like those songs, you know, they're, they're 50 years old and it would be nice to have some new ones that sound like that but, and also that are mine. Yeah. So it's a nice project to like have something, you know, to focus on like that. I feel like those songs um, traditionally are written on a piano or keyboard or whatever. Is that, is that something, yeah. you, are you doing that? Do you play piano? I, write, I have a piano and <laughs> I, I mess around on it. I am not very good at it. I won't play it in front of people, but I'll write on it. Nice. You know? And um, I write most of my songs, like just using my voice. Yeah. I'll just start with melodies. Yeah. And then um, I'll go to the piano or the guitar and find out what chords it is. And then just put them, put them there thusly. Ooh, that's so great. How is it going yeah. with the writing standards? Because it's a funny challenge to give yourself. Like, I'm going to write a song that sounds like it'll last forever. Yeah, it's, it's good. It, it's actually been easier. And I'm like writing, you know, rock songs. I don't know. I just have always had those like kind of old melodies throughout my rock songs. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just like, I think the hardest thing is um, writing about modern life in a, in a, in a way that won't date it. Yeah. You know? So like, you know, I was writing songs about like this, like Tinder narcissist, <laughs> but it's like, I'm not going to be like Tinder, you know? Cause like, that technology might not be there um, forever. Yeah. So it's like the point is like, I'm trying to make it. So it's like, it's there forever. So I have to just find a different way to, you know, talk about like Twitter. Like, like I have this one lyric that's like, uh, go write your perfect words and tie it to a bird and let it fly to no one. And that's Twitter. I love but that. It doesn't say it. <laughs> so yeah, that's been fun. And yeah, I'll put all like the shitty stuff down there first. And then uh -huh. go back and like change it over time, just so I don't forget it. Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. I feel like I feel like a lot of writers will do that, right? Especially there's even I, I do a lot of I think a lot of people do a lot of the uh, gibberish words to just place. Oh, yeah. I love gibberish words. I've, I've been writing with this girl that just moved here and she's super young. She's a really good writer, really good singer. And she's like terrified to like play me the shitty demo, <laughs> like the voice note. And she's like, no. And I was like, come on. I'm like, it, the longer you perpetuate this like shyness, the more time this takes. Yeah. You know, so I'm just like, here, listen to this. And I play her all of my embarrassing voice notes. I'm like, <laughs> isn't that horrifying? Okay, now play me yours. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, shy- shyness can eat up a lot of useful time. Totally. Yeah. And I, I just, I never like wasting time, but I also get it. You know, like she's like 23. So I would yeah. never, I would be horrified if somebody heard my voice notes. Or like that, I didn't know. I would play you a voice note, but <laughs> you have. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I remember once though, like this this um, the sound guy at like House of Blues in where was it in Boston? He um, put a playlist before we were opening for like the Avid Brothers or something, and he just pressed shuffle on my phone. Oh no! And my drummer comes downstairs and he's like Nicole you got to go downstairs or upstairs right now. They're playing your voice notes. And I was like, Oh my God. And, and part of it was my vocal warm up. <laughs> it was horrifying. Oh my God. That, yeah. That's, that's terrifying. That was not good. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. it could have been, it could have been really bad. I mean, there's all just, I don't know about your phone. I don't think my phone's too incriminating, but I I can imagine. I guess if it's if we're talking voice notes, my phone like it's got thousands of them on there. I never <laughs> clean it out. No. So like, yeah, it would be horrible <laughs> again. Um. <laughs> so I Sorry, feel like especially if there's like lots of parts that are like banner near or near like singing yeah. parts. So. <laughs> so I feel like you were a bit, if I remember correctly, like you have always been this force of nature, if I'm not mistaken, there was a bit of a child prodigy element. Like you've always done this. I mean, weren't you, didn't you get up in front of people pretty early and ham it up? My question is, my question is this, um, do you remember how it started for you? Do you remember like a, an epiphany moment where you knew you were going to be what you have become? Um, well, I think, I think I did have like a young, a super young moment where you know I just like my parents were hung over and I would get to watch the who Tommy on tv and just like I was three and so I was just like this is this is me like I'm in the movie I actually drew on the tv and was like I want to be in there wow and like I got in trouble yeah they hid my markers and I remember finding them again and being like yes (laughs) and uh, but I think you know I was like, I never really, like, I didn't, so in Nashville, trying to explain this, like, in Nashville, I see a lot of people move here to, like, make it in music, which I think is a terrifying thing, you know, and I feel like in New York, like, I I had a house painting company and, like, a mural company, and I played at the Irish pub every Wednesday and sometimes Fridays, and I went to open mics and we just got drunk with friends and accidentally got record deals maybe. Yeah. 
does that sound right? Like, cause maybe, I mean, I know that we were like excited and like, but we started talking to people. We weren't like, okay, I'm going to do this and that. And then I'm going to get that. It was just like, oh shit, Virginia got a record deal. Cool. Maybe we can too. You know, it wasn't like, I'm going to move to New York to make it. Yeah. And I would think about that. Like sometimes like, what are you doing with your life? Like, I remember like with my painting partner, like having like oyster shooters, which is so disgusting to yeah. think about now <laughs> at the boardwalk. It's like vodka with like an oyster in it. And oh like, God. yeah. And I just remember being like, this is gross. This is my life. What if it doesn't work out with the song thing? And then I just like pushed it to the back of my head. And I was like, don't think that way. Cause if I think that way, it won't like, just like follow what's going on. Yeah, it's you know, fun. so it's just like showing up, yeah. you know, and like just doing what I wanted. My dad would cry on Sunday nights sometimes. Because of your lost potential or something? No. Well, he would just be like, I'm so scared for you. And I'd be like, <laughs> why? It's Sunday was their drinking day, too. So like, I'd be like, they're, they're fucking up my TV night. <laughs> Sunday was my like not drinking day because it's good TV night. And uh and he'd just be like, I'm so scared for you. I'm like, why? And he's like, what are you doing with your life? You're sleeping in your car in New York. And I'd be like, I got to pee. And just like go out the back door and like drive to my boyfriend's house. He'd be like, what are you moving in? And I'd be like, come on, I don't want to be here. Just have to be here. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. So a couple of things that you just brought up are things that come up over and over again uh, in these conversations about creativity and making the choice to do this life. One of which is the idea that calculation is a killer of quality. Like if you, if you are in, intentionally trying to do something in order to get signed or whatever, like yeah. it's, it's going to ruin the thing you're making. It's going to ruin your heart too, yeah. you yeah. know, and your head. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously pers perseverance comes up a lot, but Part of that, I think an underappreciated part of that is the idea of what you're saying of like sort of take away all the other options, you know, like get rid of the safety nets. Did you feel like that was part of it? For yeah. You? I just, I mean, I love that you could drink in New York till 4 a.m. <laughs> and I met all these really fun people, you know, so that, and I was inspired by them. Like in Asbury Park, I was kind of like writing by myself. And um, I didn't like have, I, I remember like going to the anti folk hoot nanny. On a Monday, did you ever do that? I never got I feel to. Feel like it. you're already. Oh man, you would have <laughs> loved it. I lived it, but I didn't attend it. You lived it, but it was, it was <laughs> so fun. Like I remember, like the first night I got there, I saw the Moby Peaches, and they were in their outfits, and like Regina Spector and Langhorn Slim, and I was like, who are these people? And everybody was so like, they each had their own thing, and like I showed up in like my uncle's cowboy hat and like a pair of striped bell bottoms, and everybody's like, are you from California? And I was like, no, from New Jersey. It's just what I thought looked cool. <laughs> but um, did you did you like, get up? Do you remember getting up in front of people? Well, it's funny. I because I, I wonder because to me, like your voice is such a like I've always thought of you as a great writer. I've enjoyed we've written together like you. I just you know, found a song we wrote together the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. There's there's un, unused, unmined. Yeah. Diamonds there. Yeah, the, the vaults. Yes. Um, yes. But it, so anyway, my, my point is, I don't mean to take away anything from the, the you, no, you, no. Make, you make a lot of great art, but you also have this superpower, right? And I just wonder, do you remember like when you first unleashed your singing voice on people and had them, you know, jaw drop, look at you like, what the fuck just happened, Nicole? Um, yeah, I do. 
like I remember going to like I did theater mm-hmm. did musical theater and I always thought that like you had to be a soprano to be a good singer <laughs> and I'm a terrible soprano I mean listen to me <laughs> yeah I um heard this Judy Garland song Johnny One Note and I was like whoa she's like whoa like sings that long note and I was just like I just tried it like walking to the beach one day and I was like oh my god I can do that and then I did it for an audition and like at this like little community theater program I was in and like I got parts and then this like other guy from another theater company like came to scout for like a bigger theater and um he put me in a musical that he wrote like about the the Titanic so I got to like take off school and stuff and I was like it's weird like theater led me to to rock singing even though like I, I always like sang with the radio and like I had a band in high school where me and this girl sang harmonies together and um, we did Jesus Christ Superstar and I got to be Judas, but I was like listening to lots of Joe Cocker. And so the yes. guy, like I showed up to the audition in a beard and everybody was like, cause all the guys were like, there was no guys that could sing that part. That's and the, so and that's like, the juiciest part in that whole musical. I'm obsessed with I know. The part of Judas in that musical. We, me and my friends from high school still talk about it. Like we, when we get together, we'll sing songs from it. And like, but I remember like the guy from my old theater company, this was when I was a senior in high school and like, he came to the show and he's like, you're a gospel singer. And I was like, mm. cool. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> traffic and traffic and Joe Cocker and theater. And I don't know that I've ever heard anyone so nerdy. say the, say the sentence. You're a gospel singer. You're a gospel singer. <laughs> I know that's a very white Jersey thing to say to a girl at the Catholic school, high school play. Oh, but it's, but I, you know, having heard you sing many times, that's pretty spot on. I love it. So, okay. So you present as very um, well, I don't know if not together, at least driven. I'm not saying you're not together, but like, that's not the first thing. Like you, you have a giant engine. You're always working. You're always doing like 10 things at once. Just like looking at just, just your Patreon alone is exhausting. Like you, you, you I always feel like I'm not doing enough. I know we all do, but, um, but so, but, but I wonder what, because I'm sure I haven't, I've done now over a hundred of these interviews. Every every single person has confessed to having um, voices in their head, uh, like negative voices, internally generated obstacles, you know, stuff that they, that they create inadvertently in their own mind. And then they have to overcome this stupid thing that they built up in their brain. So I wonder for you, for you, what, what have you figured out to get through those internally generated obstacles? Well, I, ha- I mean, I have those a lot. I think that's why I do so many things because that's my way of fighting against the negative voice in my head. And I think that um, a lot of my internal like, cr- like shit critic, you know, came with my alcoholism, you know, when I was drinking a lot. I mean, I, I would drink a lot in the beginning because I thought like I was, you know, scared of doing my thing in front of people. And so that made it easier. And uh, then it just like made it harder because I was just like, you know, going out and partying all the time instead of writing. And then like shit kind of started to fall apart. And I this is this is a weird story. And I think I told it to you, but five years ago, I fell in a sinkhole, Mm -hmm. like a real one. 
Mm. And um, that's when I quit drinking. Like, I mean, I quit drinking for good two weeks after that, after a relapse, then that was the last time. But this was like the start of it. Like when I, I wouldn't think about it for those two weeks, but then I thought like, I almost died in a sink. I could have died in a sinkhole. Like it was like 10 feet deep and it hit my, it hit my butt. Like Mm. when I quit drinking, I lost a ton of weight and I was like, thank God I had a big butt for this (laughs) sinkhole fall. Because if I didn't, I would have broken my spine. Like it Mm. hit two centimeters away from my tailbone. Mm. And so I was thinking like, you know, you could die at any moment. Like you can fall in it, like in a hole in a Baymont and in suites in Knoxville. And that's just it. And it just got rid of all of my anxiety. You know, I was just like, what do I have to be afraid of? You know, like, like do it. You know, if you want to do something, do it. If you want to ask that person to write with you or work with you, just do it. They could say no. Like people are thinking about themselves. Nobody hates you, you know? So just do your thing because you don't know how much time you have to do it. God, I love that. Oh, that's so succinctly put. Although I do think you might've taken the, the metaphor a little literally by falling into a sinkhole. Oh my bottom God. Out. And that's why I was like, when I, in the beginning, when I would think about drinking again too, I'd be like, God, my, my last drink story is so perfect. There's <laughs> actual rocks in my rock bottom, but, uh, Oh, that's so yeah. good. Oh, well, I don't, I don't know if you can top that, but I wonder if you were to imagine, um, running into a 21 year old version of yourself, um, working, yeah. but working, working in today's world. Uh, what, what advice do you think you might give yourself if any? I would just probably tell myself to, you know, put down, put down the booze and, you know, take yourself a little bit more seriously because you make good stuff, you know, like I would just tell my, I don't know that I've instilled in myself that like the fun is in the work and also like the work is the only thing you can control, you know, like I would always try to control the outside things, you know, especially like I thought like I would get signed to an indie and like waitress and paint houses and tour sometimes. And like put out like little records. Like I didn't think I'd end up on Columbia, you know, and I didn't really have a support system there. You know, like my, I love my parents, but at the time, like everybody was like party monsters, you know? So I would have, you know, probably found myself like a group of stable, (laughs) stable, a stable support system, you know, to help me like grow it. And I have that now you know, but I mean, things take time. I feel pretty lucky. You know, when I like get those negative things in my head that like, why are you doing this? Like, and I always make a joke of it too. I'm like doing this like big, like homemade production thing. And it's like, who's asking me to do this? No one, but it's fun. You know, (laughs) like all the money I make goes back into making the next thing I want to make. So I feel pretty lucky being able to do that. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, it's funny. I've, I've I've always tried to avoid regrets, but I do wonder sometimes yeah. what you're talking about. If you if you could go back to your younger self and say, "Hey, you you could get a lot more done if you weren't so wasted all the time." I know. I know. Me and you used to have some pretty epic drinking nights. Oh my god! <laughs> but we I remember we, the first time I saw your band, you were kicking whiskey glasses around the stage, and I was like, "Oh boy." <laughs> it's funny though 
Uh, thank God we survived. Well, Nick, I just, I think the world of you and I, and I really admire everything you do. I think that, you Thanks. know, you just keep upping your game and I think it's so great. I can't wait to hear this album of standards. Yeah. It's, it's going to, I'm going to call it high standards. I love it. Cause I was like, it's going to be slightly psychedelically tinged so people can get high to them. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, it's good to see you in your room and stuff. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you for like, I mean, every time like I was going through that like rocky bit, you know, before I stopped drinking and um, made Goodnight Rhonda Lee, you're always very supportive. And like, it's nice too to remember like friends that you have that when you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm making art, nobody cares. And then there's like, it's nice to make little lists. I always make a list of people that always like pick me up and you're on it. Oh, well, I got your back, Nick. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on Wheels Off. I can't wait to see you in real life. I know. I know. It's, it'll happen someday, I'm sure. Not good. <laughs> it's been forever. Not good. <laughs> All right, my friend. Take care. All right. Bye, Rhett. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.